Rugby Australia unveils Raylene Castle as its new CEO. And the AFL looks to make some change as well. That on the splash today. It's the Tuesday, the 12th of December. Yeah, some important things to cover today on The Splash. I'm your host, Phil Pryor. Welcome in. Uh, The AFLW is looking to introduce a new rule change. Uh, Last disposal out of bounds, free kick the way of the other team. Uh, They're looking at introducing that rule into next season's AFLW, which kicks off in February, and we're going to chat to uh, Fox Footy's Sarah Ollie a bit later on the program about all of that. Uh, and the ramifications, big picture, uh, and all the rest of it, uh, short-term and intermediate as well. Rugby Australia had a fork in the road moment uh, when Bill Pulver announced earlier in the year he was stepping down from his role at the top of what was called the ARU at the time. Raylene Castle is taking on the reins as the new CEO of Rugby Australia, uh, rather than Phil Kearns, who was the other uh, person... Uh, set to take on the top job uh, from 2018 onwards. Uh, And we're going to dive deeper into that uh, on the splash in a moment. Um, But just quickly, if you want some clarification uh, as to the Manly Sea Eagles salary cap breach scenario, if you need further explanation exactly what it means, why it's not considered as serious per se as uh, what the Parramatta Eels did a year ago, head to the Fox Sports website. We've got plenty of content up there which can help help you all understand that a little bit better. But back to Rugby Union where we're going to dive into this Raylene Castle appointment of Rugby Australia, Australian Rugby, what is it again now, Sam Worthington? Rugby Australia now, rugby. yeah, they've got their new flash offices and, <laughs> and rebranded, so yeah, a bright new future ahead. They've rebranded and they've appointed a brand new chairman as well, Sam Worthington from the Rugby Union digital team joins me and you've just been to uh, uh, Raylene Castle's address to the media, of course the former uh, Canterbury Bulldogs CEO. Uh, I think she was asked to move on from that position, or was it last season uh, only? May she resigned of, of this mm. year, yeah. So not not too long ago. Yeah, and she's uh, yeah she's been appointed chief executive. So how was uh, her initial address out at Moore, Moore Park? You you went out and. Uh, had a first-hand uh, view, uh, view of things? Yeah, yeah, pretty big uh, media crowd there in attendance, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, very significant announcement for the, the game, um, which a uh, bit of a crossroads moment for them, I guess. Do they stick with someone in the rugby establishment like uh, like a Phil Coons mm. that was one of the shortlisted candidates overlooked or, or do they go for I guess an outsider really um, a New Zealander a woman you know not with, with no real um, current agendas uh, within within the game so yeah clearly mm. clearly they've gone down that path that um, give things a major shake path potentially potentially yeah yeah I asked her that 
question whether whether she envisaged um, you know major changes to the way the game was governed. She sort of played that down, I guess, as as you would. You need to sort of yeah. get, get the lay of the <laughs> land before you start shaking everyone around. Um, yeah. But yeah, but clearly she'll have a, a fresh approach. Um, I think we saw that with the the Bulldogs as well, where she uh, you know quite a few of the establishment, I guess, the old boys club, if you want to call it that, um, were were pushed aside, and then there was uh, yeah, I guess a more, more modern approach, more more female um, representation. Um, at the club there and, and I think we will see some of that uh, certainly at Rugby Australia now as well yeah and more Kiwi representation uh, within the Australian rugby uh, fraternity as well yeah yeah I mean that was clearly one of the two big sort of talking points um, from the, the media mm. firstly the but she becomes the first female um, boss of, of a major um, football code in, in Australia yeah. so obviously a big moment there she sort of you know played all that down she said you know the media's got a fascination with it but I think it's just you know just 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 progress um, in general mm. basically sort of played that down um, and, and then yeah the fact that she is she was born in Wagga Wagga but uh, yeah certainly very much a New Zealander yeah. Um, and, and yeah openly admitted of course she was an All Blacks fan and, and everything but she'll be having the the gold scarf on uh, come the next Blitterslow Cup. So, mm. yeah, um, it's interesting that there's certainly been um, uh, not, not not quite a backlash, but certainly a few uh, snarky comments on social media, <laughs> why do we need a Kiwi and stuff. So, yeah, I, I can understand that, you'd, you know, Australia is a got a sizable population. Why can't you, you know, come up with your own flesh and blood as a, as a chief executive um, but I, I think in this case given what we've, the history of the game and um, I think it probably is a good appointment to get someone it didn't necessarily have to be a Kiwi of course but someone outside that, that real uh, yeah. I guess insular uh, rugby rugby community That was kind of my next question why do you think the, AA, AA, uh, the sorry Australian rugby has gone down this path and not the, the Phil Kearns sort of more internal inverted commas appointment yeah, so Cameron Klein, the Rugby Australia chairman, uh, was also at the, the press conference and, and talked through the process to got that got to that point. Um, he said there was more than two hundred uh, candidates initially. They, they had a, they they outsourced the recruitment. Uh, they got a recruitment agency to 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 help them with that process um, before they started the interviews. Um, he basically said it was her specific sports administrative experience that got her the role. Um, obviously, Kearns uh, has been heavily involved in business, but hasn't mm. actually run a, a sporting organisation um, before. So that, that's the major point that he pointed to. But also uh, that they got Castle in a room with uh, with with a lot of the state chairmen um, around the game, and and she apparently presented very well in terms of the business side of things and actually making making money for um, Australia. Rugby Australia, which is you know, to to do all the wonderful things in the community and stuff. The bottom line is you, you need to get sponsors on board and, and mm. all of that jazz to actually uh, to generate that income to to then filter down. So yeah, that that was another part that she was uh, impressed in. Yeah, and of course she needs to turn around the sport's popularity as well. Um, but what do you think she needs to change and fixed up and fix first up? What's uh, the first, you know, major focus, um, even outside of the sort of sponsorship, just um, as soon as she rolls the sleeves up and, and gets in the job, what needs to happen first straight away? Yeah, so she starts work in January and um, clearly she needs to now immerse herself in, in the in the rugby community. She's, she's come from outside, so she's got to go... Uh, 
she'll, she'll go around the country, no doubt, and say, look, I don't have any agendas here. Yeah. Just, just just listen and, and get the, the views of everyone because there's a lot of disenfranchised people um, in Australian rugby mm. um, at the moment, no more so than, than Western Australia, of course, where they've lost yeah. the force and then yeah. they're going, hang on, what about this national footprint? We've got we've got no rugby over here anymore. So, yeah, she said uh, she should definitely be sitting down with Andrew Twiggy Forrest, of course, who, who's been the big uh, sort of renegade over in the uh, in the West there and he's still uh, in talks with, with Rugby Australia today actually having some meetings about whether they can get the Indo-Pacific uh, Championship off the ground mm-hmm. um, so yeah that'll be a, a pretty crucial meeting as well she said she's already met with Michael Checker um, she, she's talked through um, you know, uh, I guess a pretty basic chat, but she's but she's getting to know him already. Um, yep. Interestingly, Nick McArdle on Fox Sports News just just talked about how Checker had had a little bit of a a slight relationship breakdown with Bill Pulver, the the outgoing chief executive. So it'll be very important that uh, that she gets on the same page uh, with Check as well as she did, I guess, with Dears Hasler at the Bulldogs. Pretty mm. pretty crucial that the uh, the, the top dog and in, in charge of the national team. Um, that you have a good working relationship with him. So, yeah, a lot uh, a lot on her plate when she starts in the new year. And your personal thoughts on this move, uh, right or wrong, or, uh, yeah, what what do you reckon? Yeah, I think it is a good move. Um, like it's always hard to get to the bottom of the... Um, the nature of her exit at the Bulldogs. I think she clearly had a pretty public sort of falling out with the chairman, Ray Dibb. Mm. Um, and yeah, if you're going to be making change to any organisation, you know, as she was, you're going to ruffle a few feathers and clearly she did that. But yeah, I also heard a lot of good things about her um, her work there and then also back in netball in, in New Zealand as well. Um, yeah, I think she'll bring a very professional, um, thorough approach to the job. Mm. Um and yeah, I think it is good that, that there is some diversity clearly as well. So it's a huge job because what she now needs to do is try and broaden rugby's appeal outside of that private school um, mentality, that, that mm. boys club. She needs to yeah broaden the appeal and, and improve women's rugby and, and uh, the visibility there. But then she also can't um, can't alienate the, the established rugby fan. So it's, yeah. a, it's a very uh, tricky <laughs> job walk, walking that tightrope. It certainly is. Well, uh yeah, let's hope let's hope uh, things can move in a positive direction uh, in 2018, uh, and I'm I'm sure we're all going to be follow following uh, the her first uh, couple of phases uh, very closely uh, when she takes over in the new year. Um, and to do that, I'll be uh, staying tuned on the Fox Sports website. Uh, yourself and Christy Doran, I'm sure, will be keeping uh, a close eye on things. We'll drag ourselves off the beach sometime in January and, and do some <laughs> reporting. Quite right. Cheers. Good job. Uh, thanks for joining the Splash, Sam. Thank you. And also on the Splash today, we're going to chat some AFL, some AFLW um, more specifically, but it's bigger picture as well. We have Sarah Ollie on the line from uh, the Fox Footy Studios in Melbourne, uh, who's covering uh, a big... A big story, potentially. Um, The AFL is looking to bring in a last-touch, out-of-bounds rule to speed up the game. We'll get into that as well. Uh, But they're looking at introducing this rule through the AFLW. Sarah, uh, thanks for joining the Splash. And can you please uh, elaborate on on where uh, these developments are at? Thank you, Phil. Nice to be on the splash again. It's been a while between drinks, but basically it's actually last disposal. So if there's confusion around who Mm. last touched the ball, that won't be a free kick for the opposition. But basically the opposition will get a free kick within the 50-metre arcs only, so it won't occur 
um, in the 50 metre arc closest to goal, but it will be last disposal. So last say if disposal Melbourne were playing, out, out of bounds, yeah, just to, yeah. to clarify. So if, um, for example, if Melbourne were playing the Western Bulldogs and a Western Bulldogs player handballed it and the ball went over the line, Melbourne would have a free kick. And the idea is that it reduces congestion, it speeds up the game, and it makes it higher scoring, which probably was one of the one slights on the AFLW in the first season. Yeah, and the the Sandfall have already rolled out this uh, rule for, I believe, the last couple of seasons with with success in that respect, that uh, it is a higher scoring game. Obviously, teams are encouraged to uh, to drive the ball upfield through the corridors as well, so it makes for an overall better brand. Um, and do you, do you believe that uh, that this will help uh, grow the AFLW product as well? I think it will because I mean, if you think about the footy, you want to see big goals big marks, big crashes, and we didn't have big goals really. And I think this will definitely help in that aspect. I spoke to one of the coaches today and they were definitely for it. They think it will make it a much more attractive brand and give it a bit of a point of difference as well. I mean, the AFLW is a fresh concept and it's nice to be able to mix things up a little bit and have that difference to the AFL. Yeah, and uh, can you explain uh, why it it has been met um, with some concerns from certain uh, clubs, certain VFLW clubs, uh, particularly, but uh, but wider concern. Why why um, why are there concerns around doing this uh, now? Well, the AFLW and the VFLW aren't aligned in terms of rules, so they've rolled out rules in the AFLW that haven't translated to the VFL. Already, we saw it in season one in AFLW. They fielded sixteen aside. But the same year in the VFL, they had 18 aside. And there's now concern that they won't employ this rule if it is rolled out in the AFLW, in the VFLW. And, I mean, the concern is here. The VFLW is trying to align with the AFLW, but it's hard to align and build a team list if the rules aren't the same. So I have spoken to a few of those clubs and there's concern that there should be a bit more alignment. Of course, the AFL Commission hasn't ticked it off yet. We believe it's yeah. going to be ticked off in the next week. But there's just concern that the two leagues may be alienating themselves a little bit when what they should be doing is aligning a bit more. Mm. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense. Uh, do you have any idea what the longer-term plan is um, uh, at AFL HQ here? Is this something that uh, that they're dead serious about wanting to bring into AFL eventually? Um, and, I, and I suppose the bigger picture here as well is how uh, clubs are actually building their, their lists and their rosters given that less stoppages um, mean uh, less need for top quality ruckmen and top quality big men. So this could have you know, big ramifications as to how clubs are actually building their lists. Um, so what is the plan to sort of transition correctly if they are in, in fact dead serious about this? Yeah, I don't see it being rolled out into the AFL anytime soon. I mean, we already saw them remove the third man up at Ruck Contest because there was a call to say, you know, it's taking away the art that is, um, the craft, sorry, that is Ruck Mm, work. Um, And we want that to be part of the game because it's something that is very um, individual to our game and something that we love and something that I'm sure players like Aaron Sanderlands were very happy to see away with that third man up rule because it takes away the skill of someone who is, you know, 200 centimetres. And that's the best thing about AFL is that it doesn't matter how tall you are, there's a role for you. So Mm. 
if this is rolled out into the AFLW, uh, I mean, there's a possibility that it could be rolled out into the AFL. I think it would take some time. Um, but we have seen it work in the sandfall. So, I mean, there is that case study there with men's footy already, which shows it can work and it can make the game um, more progressive. And, of course, Gil, he's very progressive, the CEO, Gil McLaughlin. Mm. He loves um, taking the game forward and changing it up. So, I mean... Let's see first how it goes with AFLW, if and when it gets ticked off, and then potentially down the track it could be something that's brought in at AFL. Yeah, and that is what we love about the AFL, the fact that they're not afraid to uh, to move forward, progress, uh, and listen to the fans, uh, ultimately make a, a better sporting product, which uh, which is basically impossible in so many sports because of politics and tradition and things that are the fact that uh it's it, it is a worldwide sport that's something that uh wo- certainly works in our in our favor with afl would you agree would you agree sarah uh yes and no there's always pushback on gills suggest something new and people <laughs> say you know if it's not if it's not broke don't fix it but um no i think there's that's what's been great about the aflw is that it's fresh and new and there is room to kind of play around and see what works yeah for sure well let's uh Let's keep keep us posted, please, Sarah, uh, and and of course all the listeners out there. Uh, uh, head to the Fox Footy aspect of the Fox Sports website for updates in the coming days on this, uh, as we hopefully gain confirmation that uh, the AFL W season kicking off on February the second uh, will in fact be playing with these new laws. Thanks for joining the splash, Sarah. Thanks, Phil. Sarah Ollie there of the Fox Footy team. Yeah, not too much going on as far as uh, AFL news uh, is concerned this time of year. Of course, things tend to wind down a little bit once the AFL draft and rookie drafting process reaches its conclusion. Uh, But we, of course, look forward to the build-up to the 2018 season. uh, And we'll keep you up to date on this rule change scenario as well. That'll do us on the splash for this Tuesday uh, and until next time, until tomorrow where we uh, most likely will be previewing the third Ashes test in Perth. Until next time on The Splash, that's a wrap.